0: Om Sahana Bhagatu Sahana Hunatu Sahaviram Karabahay Tejasvin Agadhi Om Om Kavinka veena mupa mashrabasthamam jeshthara jam brahmharna brahmharna spata anashrinvan um mahaganapata ye bhagavate rudrager. Namaste Rudram and Yava Uto Namaha Namaste Astudhan Bani Bahubya Mutate Namaha Yata Isha Shivatama Shivam Bahuba yate tejudra shiva tanura gura papakashini tayanas tanu vaajantamaya girishanta bichakashi ya Shivanitankaramahikum Siv Purusan Jagatu, Shribinavachasatwagi risachamas Yatana Sadvamid Jagadayakshmagam Sumana Asatu. Adhyavocadadhi-bhakta-prathamo-daivyo-bhi-shak <laughs> sarva anjam sarva aschayatu Little later. For there to be self-knowledge, the gain in the gain of self-knowledge, the free will is not involved. This is what we are studying. In fact, there is a synergy in both the classes. Um, in the evening class also we are at that place, acharya upasanam. Um, so it is wrong to think. That will is involved in learning this precisely because this study is not like any other study. Come this side, little bit here, there we go. This study is not like any other study, it is not learning something you know in school or college or a language, even because in those. St- branches of study, what you are studying is other than you. Correct? You know, if you learn German, it's other than you, it's not you. It is, in other words, anatma, kshetra, as we have been studying in the evening. But, when we look at self-knowledge, it's not something unknown. That, I am whole, is not wholly unknown. But it's not wholly known either. That's because there are some blocks or, you know, the, the knowledge is as though covered by ignorance. avritam jñānam tena jantabaha. Lord Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita. This Jnana is not some new knowledge that is being poured and drilled into the brain. It's not what this is all about. That's how German and you know all these things are. It's something new, you have to memorize. It's dependent on your medha-shakti, memory. And you memorize it and then you do well when the test comes. Here for Atma Jnana, what test? Mm -hmm. Who is going to administer the test? Because there should be a testing agent and the one who is tested, maybe another one who gets very testy about the test. But here there is only one person, one entity, the only one, there is not two, you know. So, really, this is not about a test, this is not about learning something other than you. And it is also not learning about you, it is dismissing the not you so that you remain that's all it is so the teaching dismisses not you it is wrong to think that the teaching is giving some some you know something about you it is dismissing the ignorance which has as though colonized the mind and is an inhibiting factor and what kind of an inhibiting factor a factor that is inhibiting you from seeing the glory of who you are Make this a little louder, please, if you can. Volume, little bit increase. Yeah. So it's a little less. Yeah, little bit less. Yeah, that's good. So it's a, it's allowing you to see the glory of who you already are. (coughs) Excuse me. And that glory is inhibited. And why is that glory inhibited? Because Something is in the way of seeing this. What is in the way? I don't believe I am good enough. I don't believe I am useful. I don't believe I am purposeful. I don't believe my life is (coughs) meaningful. I don't see that. It's not even a belief. So, therefore, you know, this operation that I was talking about is, you know, yesterday is required. And what is this operation? The operation is just like another operation, the surgical operation. The surgical operation, what is removed, what is, you know, what is incised, is what is actually harming the body, correct? Yeah, something is harming the body, it needs to be removed immediately. So the surgeon cuts into it and takes it out, after of course putting you out, yeah. Because like I told you yesterday, the surgeon doesn't want feedback. Where are you cutting? What size scalpel you're using? Isn't that large, too large? You know, the surgeon wants you to not participate in the operation. Rightly so. Yeah, because if you started to participate in the operation, it's anyone's guess. what's going to happen? Yeah. The surgeon doesn't want to be affected by your anxieties about yourself and neither does the surgeon require or solicit your input about what needs to happen. You have to completely surrender to the surgeon, before that to the anesthesiologist and then you know that's what they say go under, correct? Mm -hmm. Under what? The knife, yeah. Here also there is a going under. Actually it's not, we, we cannot say go under. It is more like, you know, as a result of this, you come out, you are already under. This is <laughs> under the troubled waters of samsara, glub, glub, glub. Here too, there is a submission of the will, because not because, you know, the, you, you, people have this wrong impression. If you have a teacher, you should not think. What kind of a stupid thing is it? No wonder people are, you know, afraid to, to, to gain this knowledge. People are afraid and worried. Why? Because this this stupid idea that, you know, oh, if you have a guru, then let the guru think for you. As though the guru has no other work than to think for you. You know, and uh, you have to suspend the thinking. All this is nonsense. We encourage thinking completely. But here, what is suspended, we have to understand. The will is suspended. It's not even that you are giving the will to the guru. That's not, you are not willing your will to the guru. No. That's not what you are doing here, as a student. You are just able to appreciate the fact, and there is a fact here, that in certain places, the will has no job. Like when you see something. The will is not there, we have to appreciate this. There is no will when you look at something, or when something comes in front of your eyes. That's why you end up seeing things you don't want to see, correct? And this is even more true with hearing. You end up hearing things you do not want to hear. Somebody is whispering, and then you know, you just happen to be passing, passing by. Of course, naturally, your steps slowed down because you wanted to, you know, find out what they were saying. And then you heard some things they were saying, not very nice things, about you. Ah. <laughs> this shows there is no will involved. Because if I could selectively hear, then I would, I would always be in a good mood. If I could selectively see, then my life would never be challenging. Similarly, if I could selectively pick up only certain smells, You know, if I could selectively pick up only this, then the Ragadveshas are very happy. But here we have to understand that in the operation of any means of knowledge, the will is of no use. As long as there is something to see, and the eyes are functioning properly, sight will take place. Hearing in the same manner will take place. And so... When we have Vedanta here, in the form of, you know, these texts that we are studying, Bhagavad Gita, Upanishad, Rudram, whatever it is, there too, we are not looking at this as a text that I have to master. In so doing, I am actually losing out on its main purport. You know? You are not trying to master this text by trying to remember what each word means, you know, because that is just what is called an intellectual pursuit. Here, even though the intellect and the mind are very much involved and we want them to be involved, they are more in the place of being a receptacle. We are receiving what is being said. And what is being said are the words of the Veda, the words of Vedanta, and they are being, you know, used, deployed. The words are their own means of knowledge. They cannot be contradicted by any other means of knowledge. And they do not, they are an independent in their own right, just like what is seen by the eyes cannot be contradicted by the ears. Because each means of knowledge is a king in its own area. It cannot be contradicted. And neither, you know, can you say, you know, I can't see the flower. Something is wrong with my eyes. So let me try to hear it instead. You know, let me try to see it with the ears. It does not work. Each pramana is a king in its own domain. And so, Since the atma, since the nature of the eye cannot be known as an object and everything that you see, touch, etc., you can only touch, see, hear objects, not the subject. Those means of knowledge are useless. You can see something other than you. Oh, but I see my body. That's not you. (laughs) Even that we saw is khetra, is an object. So, we have this, you know, the, the, the free will is suspended here because this is not an academic study of the text. It is possible to do an academic study of the text. You know, such a person will be counting how many times the word rudra occurs and what is the significance. It is possible to do that, but that is not, not why we are here. The mind is active, thinking is encouraged. But because of the fact that you can only use the means of knowledge that you have in your grasp for things, to know things other than yourself. To know yourself, you need a special means of knowledge. And this is called the words of the Shastra deployed by a qualified teacher. Both have to be there. The words of the Shastra do not speak unless they have the overlay of the pedagogical tools the teacher has gained from his teacher, her teacher, his teacher, her teacher. That's why the whole tradition comes into the picture. That's why the teaching is safe. Because this is not about one person. This is not about a cult. Some kind of a psychophantism where somebody comes and says something and goes away and then, you know, Somebody says, I am Bhagawan, but you are not, and then everybody says, oh, so how can I, you know, how can I feel better? I think I should be around you all the time. We don't encourage that. In fact, in every Upanishad, we see that after the pursuit of the study, the student gets up and goes. Yeah, student doesn't, you know, doesn't well crow himself or herself to the teacher. Correct? That's what it is all about. That's what the whole thing about. If the quest doesn't have a completion, what kind of a teaching is it? That's why we keep saying, you know, until one comes to Vedanta, one is seeking infinitely. After you come to Vedanta, you become the seeker of the infinite, which is actually a very safe place. Because if you are the seeker of the infinite, the quest is finite. And that is the whole idea. It's a deployment of a pramana, a means of knowledge to which you have no access. Just like the operation theatre. So every classroom is an operation theatre. Lots of surgeries are taking place. Surgeries of wrong notions, surgeries of limitations, notions of limitations, fears, tears etc. are taking place all the time. So just like in the operation theatre you know, the parampara, and this teaching which is thousands of years old, you know, is not requiring your input. Because if your input is there, that means, you know, here, when you know something, like if I say, I am the knower of this book, the knower is intact, correct? The book changes, I am the knower of this mic, I am the knower of the computer, I am the knower of objects in the room, I am the knower of, you know, bodies in the room. I am the knower of what is outside. So that in all pursuits of all different forms of knowledge, Apara, apara Aparavidya, you know, the knower remains intact. This is the only place where the knower is knocked off. Because as long as the knower remains intact, there is duality. Because knower known, that duality persists. So it knocks off the status of the knower and, and reveals the person as all knowledge which can morph into the knower and the known but which, which is totally free of both those dichotomies. So that is why there is no will involved. And that is why this teaching is not like any other pursuit of any other body of knowledge because you are not trying to get something that you don't have. You are trying to uncover something that is already there. So, in the process of the study, a lot of beliefs and notions are dismissed. And those beliefs and notions about the I, which haunt, which bother, which trouble, are called ahi, ahin, Snakes in this thing. And then Yatudhanya, like being possessed of certain spirits. One is as though possessed. Possessed by what? Wrong notions of the eye that always keep haunting. There's this haunting feeling. And this haunting feeling. is is the one that is that the Lord here is being requested, please take care of these fears, please take care of all these wrong notions, remove them. And when all these serpentine wrong notions and these spirit-like possessions, they go away, what is remaining? What is remaining is oneself alone, shining in all its glory. Like what? Like even the sun. So, the next two prayers, rightfully, are dedicated to the adoration, Namaha of Rudra, in the form of the glowing sun. Because when these serpents leave, look at the connection, it is so beautiful. When these serpents leave, and when these all these haunting possessions leave, then what happens? You know, what you have is just the shining glory of the Self. And this shining glory, we cannot compare to anything. But the closest comparison is Sun. Really, you cannot compare Atma to anything. Sun and space, sometimes like that. Those are the only two things possible. So, the shining glory is like the Sun. And so, who is the Sun? Rudra alone is the Sun. So here also the prayer takes a little bit of a, um, a turn towards appreciating everything in the universe as the manifestation of Bhagavan. Because that is the teaching. So the next two mantras are, I said, they take a little bit of a turn. And what is this turn? The turn is once these serpentine notions of the self are dismissed, you start seeing Bhagavan everywhere. Because everything appears as non complaining and benign. So everything appears as not harming me, not, you know, in a certain way, inimical to me. Everything just is, and I am in a space of happiness, adoring everything. This is the whole idea. I'm in a place that is always in a place adoring everything. And so, there is some beauty to this maturity that is gained. And you see, each from each verse to another, from each mantra to another, there is something, little more, little more, little more, it progresses. And here, the sun is seen, and that the shine of the sun which is the same as the shining self is seen as Bhagavan, uh, is seen as the manifestation of Bhagavan, and we will chant this one. Asauyo, no, Asauyas Aruna uta babruso Mangala mind the swaras. Maybe you haven't come this far in learning, I don't know, but please mind the swaras. tamro. yasamro Aruna. Aruna. Vrussu mangalaha Kutava Vrussu mangalaha Yeche abhito Yeche magam Abito Dixh Rita Saha Dixh Asau yastamro Aruna uta Asau yastamro Aruna uta Ye ma rudra abhito dikshash rita sahas rasho shagum heda e mahe. Ye ma gum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Wrong, wrong. Wrong swara. Stop, 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 stop. Yeah. 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 Only people who know can chant. Yeah. Ye ma rudra abhito dikshash Enough, yeah. I will just chant this is um, enough. You can learn slowly and do that because it's a little difficult here. Too many ups and downs, yeah. So, Asau Yaha Tamraha Arunaha Uta Babruhu Sumangalaha. This is a full sentence. Asau means this one. Who is this one? The one who is copper color at the rise of the sun. Mm -hmm. A ball of copper, tamraha. And then that same Rudra becomes arunaha, Mm -hmm. orange. The, The rising, you know, rising sun has many shades. First it is copper. Then it is little more orangish. Then he becomes Babruhu, yellow. And in all these three forms, what is he? Sumangalaha, oh so auspicious, oh so lovely, oh so wonderful. So this is what the whole thing is. So Sumangalaha means extremely auspicious and why is the sun auspicious because it is in the light of the sun that all activities take place without the sun what is there i mean you can think of a little village or even a town especially in india this is much more there here no one wakes up so you know <laughs> you know sunrise nobody even knows and either they are busy driving or they are asleep you know so Very rarely do you get to appreciate sunrise. But in India, it's so clear. You know, what happens? You know, everything will be quiet. And then suddenly, you know, the milkman will be coming on the two wheeler or the bicycle. And then the birds wake up and the birds sing you a little morning uh, alarm song. And then, you know, Suddenly it starts getting populated and then the milkman is, you know, giving, waking up the kiosk in which the chai, chai chaiwala is making his tea. So he, he'll be sleeping inside, everything will be closed and then he'll knock and then give the, the, the packet of milk and then drive off. And then the, those packets of milk are boiled and boiled and boiled and you know, tea is made. And then, of course, the customers to have the tea also appear magically. And then this is all the tamra stage. And then Aruna. By this time, the temples are also chanting, uh, you know, Suprabhata. We have a wake-up uh, melody and a lullaby for the for the deities in the temple. It's actually very beautiful. You put them to bed, and then you wake them up. And then you say, you know, we are waiting for you. Without you, the world cannot go on. Please wake up. I mean, this is really a superimposition because it assumes that that which is the Almighty goes to sleep, which, which is not. But this is just make believe for our own satisfaction and our own relationship. We relate to this like this. And so, in the Aruna stage, you know, we, we hear the, the temple chants. And we hear also, in India we hear that, uh, that uh, what is that, that uh, uh, namaz, we hear, you know, uh, in, in the morning we hear that. And so like this we hear prayers, we hear all kinds of prayers, and then what happens, you know, then the sun is on high, the morning has broken, Babruhu blesses all activities. And the people are so thankful, and the people are just very much there. And you know, for people who cannot understand Bhagavan, the best way is to look at the sun. Because it is ever-present, and it is everywhere. And it shines on without any discrimination. It just shines. Like even if you are studying the Bhagavad Gita, If a group of people is sitting under a tree and studying the Bhagavad Gita, the sun will shine, correct? And underneath another tree, let us suppose, some people are scheming how to rob a bank. There also the sun is shining, correct? The sun doesn't say, you know what, they are doing a bad thing, I am going to withdraw my light, no. It just universally shines shines the uh, it shines the light on everything without any problem without you know undergoing any change and the sun is always likened to the light of the self that shines without any problem and effortlessly it shines and it brings to light even my own ignorance it shines on my ignorance this limitless light which is all joy and 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 free of all limitations, shines on my ignorance. Therefore, I say, I know, I don't know. Correct? It is that that sun is akin to that refrain of I know within the you know oneself that never that obtains within oneself, which is never changing into I don't know. So I know, this is wonderful. And then what? Then it shines on my sadness, this limitless ananda, this joyful light of all lights, shines on my sadness, upholds my sadness and brings it to light. And here we go believing the sadness is an entity in and of itself. It is not. it It is just there, you know. It is an imposter. And because it is there, it is, it is, it is uh, shined upon, it is brought to light and how is it sustaining itself? It is not self-sustaining. The sorrow is sustained by this light. So the sorrow depends on this light, the sorrow doesn't have any leg to stand on and just like the sun chases away the darkness, this inner sun also chases away all ignorance. So therefore the sun, it's not that one is one has become a sun worshipper, no, that's not the point. One is not worshipping the sun. One is worshipping Bhagavan in the form of the sun that dispels darkness, metaphorically in the form of that light of all lights, jyotisham jyotihi, that dispels ignorance. So this prayer works on two levels, for those who want mukti, worldly ends. You can pray to Bhagavan as the sun. Please, you know, give us your light. Please let us conduct our activities. And thank you for this. Namaha unto you in the form of the sun. May you long continue to brighten our day. And then for those who want moksha, I invoke rudra. You know, simultaneously I am aware of the metaphor of the inner sun-like atma that shines and that and and also the sun, like knowledge. The knowledge is the sun that dispels the ignorance. So, asau, so, that is the first line. Asau yaha tamraha, first tamraha, then arunaha, then what? Babruhu. Babruhu means yellow, you know, and then sumangalaha. In all forms, it is auspicious. So, what we are doing is. Is, is, is talking about the nascent dawn of knowledge. First it is copper. Oh, I think I'm getting it, but no, I, I don't think I'm getting it. Oh, I see it. No, I don't see it. Oh, I, 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 I just saw it. What happened? Uh, I don't know. And at this stage, if somebody asks, what did you study in class? You become very diplomatic and say, I think you should experience it for yourself. You know, you dare not say what it is because even though you somehow know, it is not coming out. Tambraha. Then Arunaha, one aha moment, oh yeah, it's connecting. Sometimes under the shower because you know, there is the blood flow going to the brain, you know. So, that, that is Arunaha, yes. It is coming. I am understanding it. Yes, I'm. I'm freer, and then Babruhu, which is the vidwan, you know, which is the uh, full-fledged wise sage. So you have here the various, you know, what is the uh, aspects or the stages of discipleship. So beautifully you can you can uh, interpolate that even though it is not there I mean, we are reading between the lines but this reading is not averse to what is being seen in the parampara in the tradition like i said the prayer works on many levels and uh, therefore we see something here that is that is you know connecting the previous verse and we see that this dawn is incumbent upon the dismissal and the exorcisation of those serpentine you know, fears. On both levels, even for one to appreciate the day, you know, you need to be free of all kinds of subjective notions and fears. If one is bound in subjective notions, the world is going to be always a very scary and inimical place. And sometimes people are afraid of that morning because they don't know how to lead the day. Either they are so dejected, they cannot get out of bed, or they are so upset with themselves, they are critical, they are angry, so they they cannot face the day. So, as long as these serpentine notions about oneself, about Jagat, about Ishwara, wherever they may be, as long as they are sustained, I'm not able to appreciate the day. And the day also is a new beginning, you see. And for the new beginning, all the old grudges must be, you know, put to rest. You cannot get up with the same hangover, emotional hangover. This is what it is. Yesterday's emotional hangover, with that you get up, you know, the day is not going to go well. So here is the prayer, to to be able to appreciate the day freshly as it dawns, without trying to have, you know, the lingering residues, the emotional residues in the form of serpents etc. Here I am saying they have been dismissed, and now that they have been dismissed in the last mantra, Yatu, dhanyah, spirits and all these things, and then after the spirits have been dismissed, I can truly get spiritual. That is the idea on all levels. Then, next line, Yecha Imam Rudraha Abhitaha Dikshu Shritaha Yecha Imam Rudraha Sahasrashaha Dikshu Abhitaha Shritaha Sahasrashah Esham heda Hedah Imahe So, yecha, These, you know And what is the sun? The sun also brings to light something. What does the sun bring to light? That there is no longer just one rudra. I am thinking of one rudra. Who is the, who is the one rudra? The, the one who makes you cry and then the one who gives you a handkerchief afterwards to wipe your tears. This is what we studied in the beginning as the definition of Rudra. Sarvan Rodayati makes everyone cry. Why? How? Karma. <laughs> Through your own karmaphalas. And this Rudra also, then, you know, uh, Rudanam Dravayati or Rutam Dravayati, it takes care of all the pain as well when you say Namaha. And we also saw how this Namaha is a. Uh, is an action not a passive action even though it is called surrender it's not a passive action it's an active uh, you know it's an it's it's a best form of agency that i can deploy in the uh, in a, for my own karma bhala, to neutralize my own previous karmas we saw that so, that one Rudra, we have been saying Namaha too and praying and looking at him as Girisha, Giritra, Girishanta, all these things. And we have been calling him wonderful names. Yeah, we can't say calling him names. That's why I quickly added wonderful. So, we have been, <laughs> we, have been we will call him names also later, but right now, you know, we have, we have been saying all kinds of wonderful things. You are wonderful, you, you please do this, please help. And then, the same Rudra now, because there is space in my heart, in my head, my head is not so heavy with all kinds of you know wrong thinking, I am able to see Rudra, 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 Rudra everywhere. Not just in one place, not just in one location. So suddenly this one Rudra multiplies into Rudraha, plural. So, where are these Rudras? Wherever I see, yatra yatra, you know, wherever the eyes fall, there, there, a Rudra appears. This is another, you know, aspect of this gaining this knowledge. The dawn of this knowledge leads to the understanding that there is that oneness everywhere. And that oneness I recognize in the manifestation of Bhagavan in diverse aspects of the universe in nature, in people, in everything that I encounter. So these Rudras have multiplied. So first there was only one and now because of all these spirits have gone and this knowledge is taking place, here I find that we are not just dealing with one entity, we are dealing with multiples, multiple Rudras. So ye, first it was yaha, asau yaha you know even you know look at the, the first line asau yaha, singular and here yaha, yau ye ye means plural look at that even from the first verse to the first line of the mantra to the second line there is a beautiful progression in my understanding in the one who is praying there is a transformation that has taken place First, asav yaha, the same one, oh wait, now copper, oh reddish, orangish, yellow, oh, but all these forms are sumangalaha. Now what is it? Now actually, all these forms are so many rudras. Yecha, now these rudras, rudraha, and what do I see? I see that these rudraha, abhitaha, abhitaha means all around, paritaha, abhitaha, abhitaha shritaha dikshu dikshu means in all the quadrants in all the directions in the main directions and the cardinal directions and the other northeast northwest all there so wherever i look there there is a rudra i am not able to see anything other than rudraval <coughs> wherever i wherever my eyes fall i see rudra everywhere shrita means abiding not just visiting, abiding, having taken their place in this universe. Abiding in this universe they are. cha Imam Rudraha, Dikshushritaha, they have taken recourse in every direction. Abhitaha, wherever I see, I'm seeing them only, I am seeing Bhagavan everywhere. And Bhagavan, 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 in every direction is Bhagawan so which direction to face which direction is auspicious you know people are very uh, you know concerned when they build the house and now at least in atlanta they have capitalized on this so they are charging extra i am told for the east facing plots yeah and then along with the the plot they also ge- charge extra for making the house according to vastu principles and these are not Indian builders. These are, you know, builders from, you know, here itself. So that just shows that, you know, people are very obsessed with directions. Which direction to face? You know, this this is an auspicious direction, south. Nobody wants to face except Lord Dakshinamurthy. Yeah, <laughs> no one wants to face south. Everybody says, I don't want to face, house also should not face south, I shouldn't face south, nothing should face south. South is the Lord Yama. Lord Yama is who? Hmm? Hmm. Yeah. That Lord Yama, the presiding deity of death. So if I face south, then I have to make eye contact with this fellow. And what if he suddenly remembers, oh, I think you're next, you know? <laughs> Reads from a list <laughs> as soon as I make eye contact. No way, you know? I'm not going to do that. So the South is, is a very, not a very good, uh, you know, and it's actually universal, even in this, uh, this uh, what is that? Wiccan, uh, Wiccan tradition. South is death. Hmm. South, they don't want to face. But here I'm helpless because I took a little peek in the southern direction and instead of Yama, I saw Rudra. (laughs) Yeah. I saw Bhagawan. Even Antaka, Antaka means the one who puts an end to everything, correct? Even Antaka is Bhagawan. Because we need an aspect of Bhagawan, a functionary who puts an end to things that should be ended. You know, there is a story somewhere, I think, in the Puranas that the human beings said to Bhagavan, I think it must have been Vishnu they prayed to, I forgot. I am not an authority on the Puranas. And uh, so, I happily jumble all the stories together. So, But so long as the point is conveyed, that's okay. <laughs> so here, I forget who they were praying to. I think they were praying to Lord Vishnu. And all the human beings had a petition. They said that we want to live for 300 years, you know. And then Bhagawan said, all right. And then certain the animals came and said, the animals also had 100 years lifetimes or something. So, so two kinds of species of animals came and said, you know, I think it was the turtle. The turtle lived for 200 years or something and it gave, us, anyhow, some animals gave some part of their, portion of their lifespan and it was added to the human lifespan. And then the human beings were very happy, we are going to live for 300 years. But being stupid and being human, humans, they forgot to ask for youth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so the oxidative damage started to take place and did not stop, and the life was not ebbing out of them. You know, already when we see photos of the oldest lady in the, in, in the world, you know, it's just uh, amazing 116 years, 117 years, people live. And then, you know, at that stage, it's difficult, some of them, it's difficult to see, it's difficult to hear, you can't hear anything, you can't see anything, you can't enjoy anything. And of course, you're filled with all kinds of pains and, you know, things. And so, as they crossed, you know, 115, 116, 150, you know, they started to, they couldn't even enjoy each other, and they started to just, feel so bad, then they took another petition to Bhagawan and said, let's go back to the... you know, let's go back to dying, please, you know, this is too much. And Bhagawan being Bhagawan said, alright. So, this experiment itself shows that Lord Yama is, is actually having a purpose. Yeah, We don't understand it, but it is connected to our karma phala. Because this body is due to karma bhala. Yeah. So it comes with an allotted number of breaths. Mm, not ears, breaths. That's why you must never hyperventilate. <laughs> because you're using up your lifespan. Yeah. So each out breath and in breath. You know, is counted, and this is kept by kept in you know in in tow by this uh, prana called udana vayu, and udana vayu just counts. It sits and counts. Oh, he inhaled. Oh, she exhaled. Okay, in each person there is an udana vayu there. Goes tick tick, tick. And then the person gets agitated. Tick, 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 tick. And then finally, the last breath is used up, and Udana's job is to say to the other four pranas—Vyana, Apana, Samana, Prana—all the other four, "Come on, boys, let's quit this body." And they all leave. Yeah. Udana has an eject, is the eject button for the Jeeva to get out of the body. Except that button is not in your hands, it is remotely operated by Lord Yama. That's what it is. And then the yogis thought that, you know, this is not, a, this is not hard, we can train ourselves to do anything. So let's just breathe slow. Slow down the breathing, that means you live long so they started to do yoga and occasionally when they remembered they breathed and they <laughs> one inhale you know in in a, in, in a half, half an hour something like that they 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 started to train them, their lungs to have so much endurance their whole body to be able to breathe sparingly yes they lived longer longer ah yes they lived healthier longer but Lord Yama has the last say. And don't think Lord Yama is angry when you do yoga and pranayama and plan to live longer. Lord Yama says, I think I'll just go to Starbucks and come back. Yeah, for me, it's a tea break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all it is. If these people are doing yoga, that means I can, I can go and have, run some errands. Yeah, that's all it is. I can have a good time. But ultimately, it is antaka, that antaka is, you know, this is an important thing because the, the, it shows here that this uh, making peace with antaka is not an easy thing. Antaka means that which ends, which comes to an end because we don't want things to come to an end. The only way to make peace with that which comes to an end is to know that I never come to an end. That's the way. And here, when when I start seeing Rudra everywhere, that's the beginning of this, you know, coming to terms with all endings. So in all directions, even that which represents liberation, north and south, which represents death, all these things I am able to, I am able to come to terms with it and see it. As a sumangalaha, that sumangala has to be brought down, that it is auspicious. In its own way, it is auspicious. Even though it doesn't make sense. Sometimes, oh, why do people die? You know, doesn't make sense, especially for the people who are loving that person. Why does death take place? But death has to take place because that karma is over for this particular body. For this particular body, that karma. for for which the body was made, is over. So the body goes. Death is not for you. You survive. How do you know that I survive? Well, you know, this is not a logical thing. This is based on a belief. Why should I believe that I survive? Because everything in this universe survives. It survives even your machinations. Yeah. This universe, everything survives, you cannot put anything into it, you cannot take anything out of it. And if everything inert survives, why won't the conscious being that is you, why is that subject to ending? This is how we have to help ourselves with some, you know, Shruti Anukula Yukti, a logic that is in keeping with what the Shruti is saying, that you don't die, only the body goes, you are very much here. And what do I do? I go into another body. Simple. Yeah. As long as the desires are there, the things are there, agenda to accomplish is there. I just take another body, it will be much better. I'll have baby soft skin, and you know, I can I can forget about all the pains and regrets, and I can start anew, a fresh... Yes, I'll have a new set of parents, but since I don't remember the old ones, it's okay. <laughs> so like this, you know, I make peace with the concept that certain directions are inauspicious and certain directions are auspicious. So, I make peace with this concept and when the light of knowledge dawns, there is Rudra Rudra. It reveals Rudra everywhere. More we'll see tomorrow. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Om Shanti 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 Harihi Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Harihi Om